from prayer, and then I, and I'll let you, get, let you know where we're headed. So, Father, we ask that you bless our time. This time is just committed to you, Lord. Um, this is an opportunity where we get to read your word, and you promise to speak to our hearts, even if it is as old as it is, Father. Um, it says that you breathe life into it, and your spirit lives inside of us. And so I pray, like we read in that psalm this morning, that when you speak to our hearts, Lord, that we don't, we're not distracted or busy, our hearts are hard. I pray, God, that we would be um, ready, Lord, um, to hear from you, God, and wanting and hungry to hear from you. And Father, I just thank you how you've been ministering, Lord, to all of our hearts, Lord. Pray that you continue to do it, Father. May you continue to bless, to bless us, Lord, as we hold your word, Lord, first and foremost, Father. So, God, we thank you that you're good, and we thank you that we can trust you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I was reading an article um, this past week about a local um, local football player it's from the Valley, from Ansonia, and. Um, He's a really good football player. He's a, he's a running back and really just a, a stud since his freshman year. And so he went on to set uh, state records in rushing yards, state records in touchdowns. Um, and when he was in high school at the time, he led the entire nation um, in yards per carry, which was, it was almost like 10 yards a carry. I mean, it was just phenomenal athlete. So um, he just had an amazing high school career. And then out after that, he ended up getting a free ride to Yale. So with that's like, wow, that's awesome, right? Free ride to Yale. I mean, you graduate from Yale, you're set. Sitting at that job interview with whoever across the table, not only did I go to Yale, I got a full ride there, you know. And that's awesome to be able to have that, you know, and say that. And then he had a pretty distinguished career at Yale, too. Did really well. First, he didn't play so much. Um, and then after that, you know, really took off, did really well. And then towards the end um, of his senior year, he, uh, he started to realize, like, wow, this is my last, you know, possibly last football game ever, ever. So that's all he's played, it's all he's done since. I think he started playing around five, six years old. So it's all, like, he ever has known. And so even if you... You know, but to talk about him, about something else, and that, like, to talk about football and then not have him, like, that'd be weird. It was just like him, and you just knew him because of he stood for football, and as good as he was at it. So he gets to the end. He, then the NFL draft comes. He finishes his, his time at Yale. NFL draft comes up, and, you know, he's hoping he's going to get drafted. Um, and this is really the, arguably one of the best running backs that Connecticut has ever seen. Um, you know, born, raised, bred, um, you know, running back. And he didn't get a call at all that night um, from the draft. So then he had his agent um, call up some teams and see if maybe he can get a workout, get a, get a combine workout in and see how he performed. And then maybe if a team liked it, you know, they'd call him, you know, maybe back in, maybe sign him as like a free agent or something limited and kind of go from there. Uh, and so he did that, never got a call back. So... I was reading this article, and in the article, the journalist was like, well, you know, what do you think? You know, what are you going to do now? And 
The word terrified was used like 12 to 15 times in this short little interview um, that was going on. Um, it was also interesting that he mentioned his faith. That was mentioned in there too. Um, but he was using the word terrified and confused and not sure what to do because for the longest time, his life had always been associated with and he really got his identity of who he was by how he performed on the football field. I mean, you, he was football. Like, that was it. So if you ran into him, like, around town or saw him somewhere or a kid saw him in the grocery store or, oh, yeah, you're such and such and you play for such and such. And, um, so that was always his life. And so he was like, I'm kind of terrified as far as what I do now and what's next because that's just always been me. That's it. And uh, he's like, I, I don't know what this next... He's, he said, I'm actually very interested to see what's going to happen now. I'm going to learn a lot about myself. Because I've known for myself that I'm an athlete, I'm a football, I can compete, I know how to work hard, I can persevere. He said, but that was on a football field. He said, I'm going to learn a lot to see how these skills now translate into real life. Um, because, of course, how many of us know that that's one thing during the course of a game... A game, you know, an hour, two hours long. Life is a marathon. You know, the buzzer just doesn't go on and go off. Um, and so it got me thinking, and it got me thinking about what we're going to look at today. Uh, you know, one of the ways the enemy, I, I think, has been really successful in talking and, and dealing with us and, and dealing with the human race as a whole is getting human beings to buy into the fact that God's ways are not worth it. It's the sacrifice is not worth the payoff. And you will not find true fulfillment and true happiness by going along with what he says. The enemy has been really successful in that. And it's been a tactic he's used since really moment number one in the garden. Where God made it really clear, hey, don't do this. So you do whatever you want. You have full reign. You have any tree. The whole place is yours. Just don't touch the one over here. Everything else is good. And so the one thing, though, that they fixated on was the one thing that was off limits. And so then the enemy knows. He comes in and says, ah, why would he hide that for you if he was so good and he loved you? Like, why? That seems weird, doesn't it? Well, then that, if you tried it, like, he knows you're missing out. So, but he can plant those seeds of doubt and like, oh, yeah, that is kind of strange. Like, if he did, why would he? And, and then we go down this thought process like that. So the enemy is very successful and highly skilled at getting us to believe and buy into that he's not as good as he says he is. And he'll go through any way that he can to help establish that. He could even make us, you know, he could pervert the fact that somebody's as talented as this individual was in football and have him have his whole identity outside of that. And I'm hoping that the faith that he mentioned is fairly solid because now, like, he's really going to become face-to-face with who he really is. Is it so-and-so the football player or is it so-and-so, the son of God, who played football? And it's like, for us, are we so-and-so that earns a certain amount a week? Are we so-and-so that has a particular position? Um, are we so-and-so that whatever, fill in the blank? 
Or are we so-and-so that is a son or daughter first that does whatever? And that's the place that God is looking to have our titles and vocations and relationships to be in our life. And it's not because, see, the enemy paints a great picture that it's because, I don't know, he doesn't care, he's not that interested, he wants to make our lives difficult. The truth of the matter is, it will set us free and it will lead us into a life that's more abundant than we could ever hope or imagine. But many times, all we can see is what's off limits and what he's saying no to in the present. And so then that just frames and gives us an argument for why maybe it's not a good idea to follow him wholeheartedly right now, right away. You see how that goes, right? And I think we can all relate to that because we can see how that works. And in this passage today, you know, we're going to touch on that. And I hope that it's not necessarily really a yay, rah, rah passage, you know, and like, let's go out and just, we're throwing pews out of the church as we run out, you know, we're just looking to take over the rest of the week. It's, it's not really going to be one like that. It's, it's probably going to leave us more like, almost like, wow, you know, just when there's a special moment and, and we see something from the Lord and it makes it aware to our heart, sometimes you just can't, and sometimes it even might just move you to a tear or two. It's like, it would be like one of those. Sometimes the most powerful moments in life are like that. You know, like when there's a birth of a child or something, you know, it's, maybe there's some celebrating and some laughing, but man, it's like, it's overwhelming. It's like, oh, you know, it's like, wow, or like a marriage, you know, there's just some moments where it's just like, so I'm hoping that the Spirit kind of leads us that way because I believe that that was the intent of John's heart when he wrote this. Because that's always a question we want to ask ourselves when we read and we study the Bible. We always want to ask ourselves, okay, it was written however many thousands of years ago, but we do believe in God by faith that he used that person to write it, to speak to that person then and the people then and to speak to us now. And so we, we want to do when we read it is we want to ask ourselves, okay, we're reading about John. You know, John wrote it. So what was John's intent when he was writing it? What was he intending to mean? Because we don't want to make it say something that we want it to say. I think that we want to discover what God had originally intended for it to say. Right? So that's why we spend a lot of time, you know, reading through the Word and looking at it. Um, because we want to discover, what was John, why did John write this? What's he talking about? We're going to be looking at sheep and shepherds and like, what? we don't do a lot of sheep and shepherd stuff now. Like, it just doesn't happen. So what was the deal? So we're going to take a look. Let's take a look at it. So he says, Jesus is kind of mid-conversation here, and it carries from last week, and if you didn't hear last week, that's okay. You can check it out online, and I'll catch you up. So he says, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they didn't understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. 
Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is hired hand and cares nothing about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. And at these words, the Jews again were divided and they said, This guy is crazy. He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why do we even listen to him? And others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And I'm going to skip down a little bit more. Verse 24 says, The Jews gathered around him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, just tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me. But you do not believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And then they lost it, um, and then they're going to pick up some stones to stone him, and uh, he, hap- he manages to get away. So, it's an interesting passage um, talking about all this shepherd and sheep talk, Right? And so, obviously it was written when it was written, and there's not a whole lot of that going on now. Um, we, we're not that, it's kind of foreign to us. Back then it wasn't foreign at all. It, it was like commonplace. It just, shepherds, they would normally do it. Like usually it would be somebody in the family, usually younger, and they'd go out, take care of um, the sheep, and um, they'd spend lots and lots of time, you know, alone with the sheep, and um, it's a pretty common thing. Nowadays, it's, it's, it's not quite the same. It's, it's usually driven by a bottom-line prophet and drive the sheep out and get them in and you know, so make sure we get the milk and the meat and the wool. And it, it, It's a totally different thing, um, really different. And in our day and age, you know, Jesus would probably talk using other things. He'd probably talk to us talk using computers, um, using, oh, geez, I, I don't know, entertainment um, he'd use things, right, that we could understand. And if he was in California, maybe he'd be talking about surfboards in the ocean, Southern California. Um, maybe if he was in Texas, he'd be using um, barbecue, um, or he'd be talking about cowboy boots, um, whatever. Like, so he's using things that they would know about. And here's what I'm going to try and do. I'm going to try and just highlight some of the things that I think are actually pretty amazing. And touch on them a little bit because even though he's using language from back then, 
It was actually some pretty significant stuff tied into why he was using that, the, the, the words like shepherd and flock and sheep. Something, some really significant things about it. So spend some time at that, and, and then we'll have two takeaways. Sound good? Okay. So here's one thing. I just wanted to show you, share with you the attire of a shepherd. So I didn't have, I didn't have like attire and have time to make it and come out dressed like one. That, you'd probably never forget it that way and be like, I do remember what a shepherd looked like now. I said, Pastor's crazy. He did that. Um, maybe I'll do it next week. I don't know. And I'll quiz you. I'll dress like an exec and we'll see who remembered what. That's a good idea. I like that. So, shepherd's attire. Here's what he would normally have. He'd have a little sack on him and it would have um, fruit and nuts and rocks. So that's one thing he would have. And his clothing would be pretty like, um, uh, almost like a John the Baptist nomadic kind of, um, you know, leather belt, not real nice clothing. I mean, you're with sheep all day, you know, and... It's kind of like being like with two-year-olds all day. You're not going to wear your best clothes, you know, while you're hanging out with them. Um, so they'd have a little sack for fruit, nuts, rocks. They'd also have a sling, right? And so that should maybe sound a little bit familiar, right? From David um, and Goliath, right? And the sling that he had. And David was a shepherd, right? Even as a young guy. I mean, when Samuel first came to the house and God told him, he said, the next king of Israel, he's coming from this family. He's coming from this house. And was like, all right. You know, and he rolls up there. And Jesse, the father, is there. And he's like, here are all my sons. And he just goes down the list. And God's like, no, 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 no. You know, seven no's, basically. And Sam was like, ah, but I'm getting the vibe. Like, God's telling me that somebody else is here. He's like, is there any, you have any other children? Isn't that a crazy thing to ask? Like, what's going on with Jesse? Like, how did he... Forget the kid. He's just probably already thinking, ah, it's the shepherd kid. He can't possibly be the king of Israel. Sometimes we think like that, right? You can't possibly have something amazing and incredible to give that God would actually use, right? That's heavy sarcasm. <laughs> of course you got heavy stuff to give and offer. Who knows what God can do with it? So he's like, yeah, you know, he's out in the field there. And he's like, well, bring him in. And God was like, boom. Yes, this is it. So he was a young shepherd, 14, 15 years old, and that's when he gets anointed. It's crazy. So he would have this sling, and he'd have like his rocks and stuff in there, which would come in handy with Goliath. Um, he'd be snacking while he was out there. They would also have a horn of oil that would be um, with them, and usually it would be uh, from a ram or from a goat that they would have um, a little horn kind of tucked into their belt there and have oil in there. And the interesting thing about the oil is that It'd be a mixture of like oil, some kind of perfume of some kind, and some water. And so they'd actually pour some on a sheep's head, anointing him with oil. Sounds familiar, right? The anoint to actually on their head with the oil. And the purpose of that was that they would kind of like all rub it. So they anoint it and kind of rub it all in there um, because they would constantly get um, bugs like lice and uh, fleas. And um, all kinds of other bugs that would get into their eyes. And some bugs, actually, I was reading about, they could actually um, get into their ears and stuff and burrow their way kind of like into them and end up killing them. Kind of crazy, right? But when they would soak them down with this mixture of oil and perfume and water, it made it really difficult for bugs to get in there. So it's very interesting, you know. So now anointing somebody with oil has like a, it's kind of taken to another place, right? It's very interesting. Um, He'd also have a rod, and a staff. So Psalm 23, which we hear a lot of times um, at funerals, which it's not really the, the funeral psalm, but it's turned into that. It's actually a pretty awesome psalm with some cool stuff in there. 
but a lot of times it's just it's just seen as the funeral one, but a rod and a staff. And the rod, its purpose would be to correct, um, and it would be to protect. So sometimes a sheep, one thing about sheep is that, yes, they're vulnerable. Um, they're not all that bright. And um, they also are pretty stubborn a lot of times. They just wanted to go where they wanted to go. So if they're grazing, and we're talking shepherds. We're not talking like 10 sheep are out there. We're talking thousands of sheep, hundreds of sheep. Huge staple of, like, of their home and their income and their finances because it could provide so much for them. And so they'd be out there in this pasture, and you know, one little guy, we'll call him Jared, you know, just goes, goes off in the distance there. And uh, the shepherd would call to him, you know, whistle, call, whatever. Um, and we'll go over the voice thing in a minute. And let's say, I'm just being Jared. And I'm like, yeah, but it's cool over here, so I'm going over here. And then the shepherd would just come after, and he's probably still yelling the whole time. And I'm like, yeah, but you haven't seen over here. And so I'm still, you know, and going that way. And so he could come over with that rod and what? You know, right on me. And then come on back, you know, and lead me back, you know, to it. Um, and so a shepherd, you know, would do that. Or if a lion or a bear would maybe come across these hundreds of sheep, hey, it's a nice, easy meal. They don't go real fast. They're not real bright. And if they single one out, they're going to be, you know, that lion or bear is going to make out pretty well. So the shepherd could then use that rod that was correcting to then protect, take them out. Or in David's case, for whatever reason, he got caught a couple times without his rod or his staff or didn't have time to get the sling going. And so it said that he wrestled with his bare hands with the lion and with the bear. And that's what he said when Goliath was like challenging the entire nation. He's like, man, I've wrestled with bears. Have you ever wrestled with a bear? Poor lion. Like, this is a man right there. Like, to wrestle with it and win? Maybe to wrestle with it, you know, and suffer the destiny of probably a lot of other people that haven't successfully done it, but to wrestle and win for the sake of one sheep too. I'd probably just give up the sheep. I got like 100 others. Um, But it's not what he was about. Good shepherd lays his life down. You know? So you have the rod, you have the staff. The staff could have a little crook at the top of it, be kind of long, and it could still again hook them. Um, So, um, and and then the last thing, like I mentioned before, they always had a call or like a song. At, at the very least, they had a name for each sheep. They just name them. That's a lot of names. I, I get in a classroom with like a lot of kids. It's the beginning of the year right now. I have a very difficult time getting all the names down right. And I call them the wrong names. They give me the look like, who is this teacher? You know, but I try. It takes me a few weeks. But they knew all the sheep by name. So they call them. And the amazing thing is, is that one, that he even had a name shows that there's a personal connection, right? He, for whatever reason, the shepherd was invested into the sheep, enough to call them by name. And the other interesting thing is that the sheep will only respond to that individual's call, that shepherd's call, or that shepherd's voice. That's it. And there was actually multiple people to try and test and like trick um, kind of these sheep where they would dress like the shepherd, same kind of weight, put on the same clothes, kind of smell the same. And they try to call them, and the sheep would not respond. They'd only respond to the voice of that shepherd. Very interesting, isn't it? And I wrote something down here. I wanted to share with you a story. This one's pretty neat. It says, uh, during World War, World War I, some Turkish soldiers 
tried to steal a flock of sheep from a hillside near Jerusalem. The shepherd, who had been sleeping, suddenly awakened to see his sheep being driven off on the other side of the ravine. He could not hope to recapture his flock by force single-handedly, but suddenly had a thought. Standing up on his side of the ravine, he put his hands to his mouth and gave his own peculiar, uh, particular call, which he used each day to gather his sheep to him. The sheep heard the familiar sound. For a moment they listened, and then hearing it again, they turned and rushed down one side of the ravine and up toward their shepherd. It was quite impossible for the soldiers to stop the animals. The shepherd was away with them to a place of safety before the soldiers could make up their minds to pursue them. And all because the sheep knew the master's voice. It's pretty interesting, right? Pretty amazing. And it's like, gives a new understanding to a sheep, really understanding and knowing the shepherd's voice. Among so many other voices, among chaos, among somebody else trying to drive them out, you're like, oh, he's calling me, we're going. It's amazing. It's pretty interesting. It's pretty cool stuff. In verse... Uh, verse 4. It says, When he has brought, all, brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him, because they know his voice. It says, But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him, because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. That word for know there is pretty interesting. That word for knowing is like what we talked about, the Turkish soldier in the army, that, man, they would just respond. But that word know there, uh, as you study it a little bit more, ganasco, means to intimately know, to understand, to perceive. And you want to know what other synonym or illustration they used for that type of knowing? They used intercourse. That was the phrase that was used. Like, that's how well and how intimately they knew. So that we're not talking bestiality stuff and being weird. Like, we're talking about that's like how well they knew them. You know, that well tied to them. It's very interesting. Um, And the other interesting thing about this passage is that this shepherd would always go out in front of the sheep, never from behind, which a lot of times that's what they do now. They're kind of driving them in a particular area, and it's like, you know, if they're driving, they're loud, and they're hitting them, and they're going, whatever. But as described here, the good shepherd actually go before them, you know, and lead them where they're going. It's very interesting. All paralleled, and all purpose to illustrate our good shepherd. We're in his good hands. He protects us with a rod and a staff. He absolutely anoints us. And he absolutely knows us intimately. And what he has done, no other shepherd has ever done. He has already laid his life down for his sheep so they darn well know how much he cares for them and loves them. That's a good word right there. That's a good word right there. Because the enemy, as I mentioned in the beginning, loved to paint it the other way. Uh, He just wants to tell you no. He's just saying you can't. Your happiness doesn't matter. And we just come up with a list of reasons. The truth of the matter is, it does lead toward freedom. He's already laid his life down. Man, it's just to protect and to give us a life that's more abundant than what we think we're going to find as we graze somewhere else. So at least we're talking about it now. At least we're going to get that truth at church. 
And hopefully God will then, as we during the week, he'll nurture that and cultivate that more in our hearts. Because that will make us much more willing parties to embrace what he has for us. Much more of a willing party. So just two thoughts and then we finish up. Here's my first thought. Um, one thing is that hopefully, and I know there's a lot of other details in there, but you know, it's just, you can't just cover everything, you know, in a message. So we just highlight some stuff that I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart. So the first thought is I think that we are called to embrace being sheep. Like we should just say it. Like we are just sheep. You know, it's like, yeah. Just look at the person next to you. Say you're a sheep. Someone's like, nah, I'm a goat. You know, like whatever. Then it is what it is. But we got to embrace being sheep. Because here's the deal. Here's what I mean by that. Um, Of course, it's not the perfect illustration because God has also given us his spirit. We can go out and be extensions of him and move in powerful, miraculous ways. Sheep can't do that. I understand it. But for the illustration sense, there's some parts about being a sheep um, that I think we should embrace and like go with. One is the sheep aren't out in the pasture stressing out, freaking out. Oh my gosh, we're running out of grass. Like, do you think shepherd so-and-so knows what he's doing? Like, he was kind of slacking. He was slacking last time we were in the last one, and I thought we should have moved a lot earlier, and then and you start talking to the other one, and it's like, yeah, what is he doing? It doesn't even make any sense. It's greener over there, and I don't understand why we would just, it makes no sense. No sense. And then you get enough sheep talking like that, and it's like, They're in their area. Like, we should just embrace being a sheep in that sense to where our good, got to buy into that, our good shepherd has us here right now. I think he knows what he's doing. It doesn't give us a lot of room to control and hold on to a lot. It doesn't give us a lot of room for that. So when we embrace being a sheep, like, we don't leave a lot of room for a lot of stressing out. Sheep also... Maybe they could if they could talk. I don't know. But they don't constantly question what the shepherd is doing and where he's leading. Sometimes that could just dominate our prayer life. God, what are you doing and where are you going? Why are we doing this? I thought we dealt with this. You know, it's like this constant back and forth with them. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm actually saying that's a good thing to be honest and go back and forth with the Lord on it. But if at some point during that prayer it's not, but Lord... I surrender to what you're doing. I really don't understand. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And if it was me doing it, I wouldn't do it. But I will submit and surrender to what you're calling me to and go in this direction. I will head that way. Even though it makes no sense at all. You know, (laughs) so I get the last word in. But hopefully during some part of that prayer, there's like this surrender, mind and mentality then involved in it. And the sheep, they don't get nervous about where they're going. And I was trying to think about sheep like having ulcers, you know, and being highly stressed out and super anxious. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. And I think like, you know, when we are really just trusting in who God is and what he's doing, it doesn't leave a ton of room for a lot of anxiousness and tons of worry. I'm not suggesting that we never deal with it. This stuff definitely comes up. But it will have a place in our lives, hopefully, that falls under, and I'm in good hands with this shepherd. I'm in really good hands. These are strong hands of a carpenter. 
These are hands that embraced children in a tender way when they came to him. These are hands, like it says right here, nobody can snatch them from me. Once I got them, I got them. It's a good hands to be in. So that was one thought. Let's just embrace being sheep in the areas that we should. Second thought was this. And this one just was just ringing in my heart and mind all week long. Being certain of his voice. Because he said, my sheep know my voice. And they won't follow anybody else. They just follow me and my voice. And then he got the Turkish... You got the Turkish, uh, you know, World War I thing with the soldiers. Um, we are called as sheep to really know his voice. And there's a lot of other voices going on in our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just pulling and tugging. Constantly saying, we are this or we are that. And real life is found here or real life is found there. Or happiness will be experienced this way or... Unfortunately, here a lot of Christians even say things like, "Wow, oh, that's just too radical. God would never ask me to do that. What? He absolutely could, and don't be surprised if he does. But sometimes it's not even something radical he's asking. Sometimes he's saying something that's like supernaturally just natural. He's just saying, man, just shut that thing off and just be with me for a little bit so you can get to know my voice. Because there's so many voices. I can remember when I heard the Lord's voice. Like, pretty, pretty clearly, at least my first time. You know what? I should... Yeah, that's the right way to say it. I, I thought I said that the first time I heard God speaking to me, which, to be honest with you, He probably has been my whole life. But the first time I actually acknowledged it and responded to it, that's a difference, right? Right? So I wanted to make that clear. But I think the first time was at a Christian camp, like a retreat. We went away. I was uh, like 12 or something like that. Went away to this retreat. It was up in Mass. And for whatever reason, don't really know why, um, I just decided to really pay attention um, and just chose to engage myself. I don't know why. I don't even know what songs are being played. I can't even remember the guy who was talking. But I chose to engage myself and actually just surrender that time in a way like I never have before. And I absolutely just felt like the Lord say, you got to hang out here in this chapel for a while. We're not done yet. I was like, that's weird. I don't even... I can't say it was audible, but there was just like this faint sort of, you need to stay here, you're not done here. It's like, okay. So then, man, we stayed, and actually a bunch of other people stayed. I was very surprised. And, man, we just prayed and had the... Whoever the speaker was prayed, brought some people over, and then some other people were praying. Like, it was just this really good atmosphere of just like the Spirit just having his way with just a bunch of young kids. It was cool. Um, but as we go through life, we can't live on like that one in the past. We're called to live in today. Like, what's he saying to my heart today, like right now? And like, do I know that this is definitely God? And is this definitely my shepherd calling me in a particular direction? Because if it is, I'm going. Because the idea for us as Christians is we don't want to spend a lot of time thinking about, hopefully, whose voice it is. We'll get to be in a place where, man, it's undeniable. I know that this is my good shepherd right now. This is where he's leading me. This is where he's calling me, and so I'm going. Sometimes it'll make sense to other people, and then sometimes it won't. 
But if we know that it's actually his voice, it's settled. There's nothing you can do. Like it's settled in Joanne that she's going to India. I can try and talk her out of it. I don't know how hard I tried, but I could still like keep trying harder. But it's settled first. You feel like God put that in her heart. It's done. I'm going to India. Done. And so people could come up, well, you know, you could like save that money and do something else. And then maybe if you saved it, like you could, you know, do something here and da 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 da. You can go through this whole thing. She's probably not going to budge. It's set. It's done. And like that's the way that God is calling us to live our lives in response to our shepherd. And he said it. It's done. Now, when I say that, I don't also then mean, so if somebody were to question it and, and like ask about it, in a nice way, um, that that's a threat in some way. Like, no, God told me I just do it. Well, hopefully, like, there can also be a dialogue about that. Really, how come? Walk me through, like, how that happened and how you got there and what was, how was God speaking to you in that way? That's good and healthy to have those conversations. Sometimes Christians get threatened by that. It's like, God told me, like, listen, just go with it. Uh, you know, if you love other people around their lives, too, you should be able to ask that. And hopefully somebody can have like an adult conversation about that. You know? So a certainty of his voice. So what are some things that we can do to help make sure we certainly know it's him? Bless you. Well, it's only going to happen by being around the shepherd. It's, it's got to start there. It's not like suddenly there's just this, ah, you just always know. It's just always his voice, you always know it. It just takes time from being with him with him, being with him. It's always been about relationship. Always will be. So we got to be with him. Now, from the Bible, a couple of ways that are practical. Psalm 95, 7 through 8. And you can write them down, look them up later if you want. Psalm 95, verses 7 through 8. says, Do not harden your hearts, be tender. We read that this morning, right? Don't harden your hearts. So when he's speaking, hopefully our hearts are not hard. Like we're open to hearing to it and then carrying out maybe what he's speaking to us. So hopefully our hearts are not hard. We're just tender and we're malleable for whatever he wants to shape and do. Here's another one from the word, James 4, 8. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. That's a promise. As we draw near to him, he's going to draw near to us. And I can tell you that I have had countless conversations with people where they've maybe tried to read the Bible or interact or engage with God previous to surrendering their lives to Him and becoming saved and ask for God to live in their life. And like, it's just frustrating. I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on. Like, it's just, I don't even know. But then when they submit and surrender their lives, and then now they engage their Bible reading and their prayer time, it's like there was a dramatic change and shift that just happened that did not happen previously. And they're like, I just don't know. It just, it's, like, it's like coming together now. It makes more sense. I'm able to understand it. It's not this far-off concept. With th- like, I'm starting to understand this. Well, they're right. And what they're talking about is the Holy Spirit teaching them and showing them who God is and what He says. So draw near to me. I'll draw near to you. Jeremiah 29, 13. When we seek Him with all of our hearts, then we will find Him. Seeking Him with all of our hearts, all that we are. And actually, a lot of times, God is even so good to sometimes we don't even seek Him. We're not even praying for Him. He still, like, makes a way for us to find Him, which is pretty amazing. 
But for the most part, he's saying, man, just give me all of yourself. Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Seek me with everything, you will find me. You will hear from me. You'll know what my voice sounds like. You'll be able to walk in relationship with me and say, man, God has put this on my heart. And actually feel good about that and know what that means. And it won't seem ambiguous or vague or unclear. It's no longer jargon, it's a reality. Proverbs 14. It says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to death and destruction. So there's a voice out there that seems right, that makes sense to us. We can make sense of situations. We can logically get through things and analytically break stuff down. Sometimes God also logically follows an analytical approach. Sometimes he throws that out the window. But the question again, when is his voice doing that? That's what we want to be familiar with. Because I want to just throw everything out the window all the time and just live by the seat of our pants and be like, well, I don't know. God hasn't told me to eat breakfast yet today, so I don't even, I don't even know. Like, there's some balance and there's some wisdom and there's some understanding. But we get that by being with the shepherd and knowing it. Just because it seems right to us doesn't mean it's necessarily from him. So two thoughts from that. Let's embrace being sheep and hopefully we can gain more certainty about knowing his voice because that's what it comes down to. Man, when he calls, are we ready to answer and just move in on it? Or when we just feel like there's a drought and we're like, Lord, I, I really don't hear your voice like it's been more clear in the past or maybe I've never heard it before. Whatever it is, like let's be honest with, to God about that. God, I haven't heard your voice in a while. I, I need to hear your voice. And many times in those moments, that's when he's asking more from us. He's saying, okay, wrestle me with me now. Intend with me now for my answer and for my presence. I hope that's not the point when we throw in the towel and we're like, eh, I don't know. I asked him, he just didn't. He's asking for us to continually press in not let go until we've heard from him. That means we like let a lot of other things drop. Like we won't be maybe working out. That workout day like might be gone. Or a meal or two from that day like might be gone. Or for two days. Or for three days. Or for a week. Or the TV might be off for like three months. These are the places that our shepherd leads us to sometimes. Because those green pastures are time that are spent with him where we know his voice and we can identify who he is and it builds our trust. Maybe sometimes you've seen that picture, you know, where the shepherd is like holding that sheep and that lamb and walking with it. There's like some theories out there about, you know, that and why that happens. Because there's a couple of passages, you know, where it talks about the shepherd carrying the sheep and doing different things. There's one theory out there, and I don't know if it's true. It kind of sounds like a made-up one. Um, but sometimes a shepherd, if a sheep would continually go out, that sometimes a shepherd would break its legs and then choose to carry it on its back until it healed. And during that time of its healing, like they gain like this amazing bond and trust. And then when that sheep is mended, it definitely won't go back away, supposedly because of the relationship of the bond and not because it's afraid of getting its legs broken again. 
I don't know how true that is, and I haven't seen a lot of support for that. But the peace of the shepherd carrying the sheep around, that's totally fair to see our Father just carrying us. And hopefully, like, we just allow him half the time. And then we just come in, like, with broken pieces and say, Lord, I don't have the answers. I don't even know how we're going to, like, provide in the way that we need to. I'm not sure how the situation is going to work out. Just carry me the rest of this way, Lord. I give it over to you and ask you to have your way. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. So we have a good shepherd. He cares about us. He loves us. And the bottom line is this, and I had to write it down. The assurance that God is faithful, He is true, and He is reliable. The truth is, He laid His life down for us. The truth is, is that good shepherds The way they watch over us is centered upon protection, freedom, and abundance. We can trust Him with our lives because no one has given more and nobody has sacrificed more. He's a good shepherd. So it's not a gamble for us to be all in with some things in our life. It's going to be more than worth it. More than worth it. So hopefully our identity when something might get rocked or taken from our lives, the good shepherd's got me. I know he's leading me to someplace else. And I can trust that it's good where he's taking me. We can trust it's someplace good he's taking us. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's stand and we'll close in prayer. And I completely realize that um, there could be, you know, people here this morning that they're really thriving in the peace of the sheep that's really stubborn and want to go their own way and do their own thing. Or maybe not totally stubborn, but want to sprinkle in a little bit of the shepherd's voice when it's convenient, but have that not just be the only way. Um, so I just want to give a moment for those people if they want to just choose to, you know what, I just want to follow the shepherd's voice and be about that and let him lead my life. Then let's just settle that now. Because the Christian life is marked with um, significant points of surrender in our lives. So somebody says, I have a testimony. I have a testimony. It's a testimony of what God has done. But he's not done, done. He's not done, done. There's multiple markers that God will work with us in our lives. It's like, man, that was an amazing season. I remember that moment. Oh, man, that one just rocked my life. And so for somebody, it could be this morning, this could be like the moment where they said, I surrender to the Good Shepherd. I'm tired of buying into the lie or being complacent or giving in on areas where I don't need to. So let's give some people some time for that. Sound good? All right, so if you could close your eyes and bow your head. That way nobody else has to see it. It's between you and God. Um, if you're choosing, if you're choosing today to say that I want to follow the Good Shepherd, I want His voice and His voice alone to reign in my heart and in my life. If that's what you want to say, and I don't want to like coerce anybody to do it, I'm just giving an opportunity. If you'd like to do that, just look up to me, and we'll just make eye contact. Just look up. Just look up. Just look up. Praise God. Praise God. I see you, brother. I see you, sister. Yes, yes, yes. Praise God. I just want to make sure I got everybody. Awesome. 
awesome. Church, be encouraged. It's a lot of look-ups. It's really good. It's really good. So those that have looked up, you can just pray this in your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. Father, I only want to hear your voice. There's only one voice that matters. I know that. I do not want to give in to many other voices. Show me how to follow only you. I thank you for your love and your protection in my life. You are the good shepherd and I commit to you today to following you and you alone. Father, I thank you, Lord. Just It's not by accident. These people are here this morning, Lord, that we're together and we're going over this passage, Lord. God, I thank you that you're such a good shepherd. You just pursue us and pursue us and pursue us. And Father, I pray, God, that in my heart and in our hearts, Lord, that we would truly know your voice, Lord, know who you are, know when it's just us and when it's really you. I pray that we would be aggressive about that, Father, that we'd be hungry for it, Lord. That sometimes when we are unsettled about the lack of your voice in our life, that that would bother us. That it would bother us enough to chase after you harder, Lord. I thank you that nobody can snatch us from your hand, Lord. And I thank you that all your ways are true and good and faithful. And we thank you that regardless of our complaining and whining half the time, you're okay with it. And you understand that a lot of times we're just dust, Lord. So, Father, we praise you and thank you, Lord, for the work you're doing. In our hearts, Lord, and in this church, may this church know your voice, Father. Help us not to chase fads. Help me to be a pastor, Lord, who truly has a shepherd's heart, Father, and follows after you. And I pray that we would be a flock, a congregation that truly knows the shepherd's heart and the shepherd's voice. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.